0: Live from Cumbria, this is The Twilight Show with Katie Clark.
1: Good evening
2: and welcome to The Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio on the 6th of March, and a beautiful day it is too. Today we're going to be talking about eco schools, promoting sustainability and awareness of the environment in schools and how we can get our kids and our local communities involved in caring for the environment. And we're joined by Hannah Toonling, who is an expert in this field. So join us and live
0: we'll from enjoy talking about it this tonight. This is The Twilight Show with Kaylee Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app. And search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
2: I haven't mastered that, nailing that intro at all. I start talking, and then it's just I have realised I've got so much to say, and then I just completely run out of time. So I'm apologising, that was really messy, but as you can tell, I'm really quite excited about the show tonight. I've already got my guest. Um, called in so we'll say hello to Hannah. Are you there Hannah? Hello? Can you hear me? Well she's there. Anyway Hannah if you're there. Right okay Slight technical hiccup, but um, we will get on with that, uh, get s- that sorted very soon, hopefully. So, like I said, this evening we're going to be talking about eco schools. Hannah Toomling, my guest this evening, is from Diamond Wood Academy, which is an uh, infant school. And um, Hannah is the eco. eco. Oh,
3: hello,
2: Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hello.
3: hello, can you hear me now? I can. I can. Uh... There's a bit of an echo on Right. Um, have, have you, have got, it, some you got some earphones, earphones again? In. Yeah, I was on them before, but you couldn't hear me.
2: <laughs> right, right. Let me try. Yes, Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll try again in a second. But um, hello, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me now? Oh, that's perfect. Yes, I can I hear did. you no I, I could hear you perfectly but obviously that um that echo was not going to be very uh, pleasant for the listeners <laughs> for the show so that's good oh i'm really pleased i always get really nervous when we when we have technical hitches at the beginning because quite frankly i wouldn't know what to do to fix them so yeah. it's always good when it all works out great so i was just introducing you hannah so just mm. saying um you are you are joining us this evening you are a, a nursery teacher at diamond wood academy um, yeah. You are the science lead and yeah. you are also responsible um, for the Eco School initiative that's being um, run at that school. Um, and obviously, you've had some fantastic national recognition for the work that you've done, and um, things seem to be going from strength to strength. So, why don't you take over from me, stop me rambling, and you <laughs> t- tell, us, tell us about the work that you're doing at Diamond Wood, please?
3: Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so um, this is my sixth year at Diamond Wood. Um, I've been teaching for nearly 20 years. Um, And when I went to Diamondwood, I actually went as a PPA teacher. And because of my background in my other schools, I'd always done eco schools and had an eco council. And the head teacher at the time was really keen on that. Um, They'd often done things like the great Yorkshire show, veg box competition. So we had the same sort of mindset. We were, you know, we were keen to get children outdoors. We're get, keen to get children engaging in nature. Um, and since then, Sally Titherington has taken over as head when Linda retired and, again, still wanting you know children to be outdoors, children to experience the world around them. Um, so a few years ago, I went into nursery, and we really looked closely at the curriculum, and we looked at the world aspect as it was then in Development Matters, which has obviously just changed. And we really ran with that from with our curriculum, um, you know, basing things on real life experiences. So getting outside, um, developing literacy, developing children talking about the world around them. So all those other aspects like maths and literacy were coming in through through the world.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. So obviously, you this isn't just a, a token initiative that you're running at Diamond Wood. This is no. something that's embedded in the curriculum
3: yeah that that's one thing i've always sort of said it's not an extra you know we don't want it to be a little add-on that we do all because we're going to tick a box it's a big part of our ethos i mean our the eco council we have at the moment um the eldest children in our school are only in year two um and those year two children were my first children in nursery when i went into there and they are so passionate um this last week at school, they actually had three eco-council um, events. They had the normal eco-council meeting. Um, then the CEO of our trust came in on Wednesday and was talking to them. So they were telling him um, all the work that we're doing and what it is to be an eco councillor. And then it was we had an International Women's Day event on Friday, and they ran a, a stall and handed out um, bulbs to uh, the visitors. And talked about how they, you know, how they could plant them in the garden and, and things like that.
2: Oh, that sounds amazing! So, just to um, go back a, a second, because I realise we haven't mentioned something that's probably quite important. Whereabouts is Diamond Wood Academy in the country?
3: <laughs> so, uh, Diamond Wood Academy is in um, a place called Ravensharp, which is in Dewsbury, so in West Yorkshire, sort of between Leeds and Huddersfield. Right. So, in
2: like in terms of the um,
3: the the area where you are, would you describe it as quite a rural area where, where this is no. easy to achieve? Uh, not not particularly the rural. We we we're quite we are quite close to some rural places. It's sort of a suburb. Yeah. Uh, Ravensop is a suburb of Dewsbury and Kirklees. Um, the, the school that I work in is very multicultural. I think we have sixteen languages in school. Wow. Um, you know we have a high proportion of children who are pupil premium. We have a lot of new arrivals to the to the school that have just come in from uh, different countries: Pakistan, Romania, Hungary, um, Syria. Um, so it's yeah, it's not sort of a a little a little village school somewhere. It yeah. is quite you know in a fantastic a sort of a mill town. Yeah,
2: yeah. We could we could have a show about that on its own I think. Just <laughs> about, I think you've got so many different cultures all in your school um I mean that in itself must be an incredible challenge but have, have you found that the the eco schools side of things has that almost provided you with a um sort of like a vehicle to get these students all working together and you know forget about everything else they're just working together on this project to protect their local
3: environment? Yeah, Yes, it does in a way because um, the children do care about where they live. Um, You know, a lot of the families have lived in the area for a long time and they care about the green spaces that are there. We do have a a very big problem with rubbish in the area. The children are very, very passionate about making sure the school grounds stay stay clean and trying to promote that within the community. Um, We've worked on different community projects as well. Um, working with, like, the local library, uh, walking groups, um, S2R, which is uh, a mental health charity that's working in the Dewsbury Ward to promote wellbeing for our parents and, um, and adults outside. So at the moment, on a Wednesday, we're doing little workshops with parents where they can come in for an hour and a half, spend 45 minutes with our children doing a workshop. Uh, so before Christmas, we did um, winter wreaths and then, and we did outdoor cooking. The children would go back to class, but then it gives adults time to to be outside and have time to talk in um, the outdoor environment. You know, maybe around a fire, so it's quite relaxed. Talk about mental health. Talk about you know maybe if they want an English classes where to go, um, if they want ideas to get to get out into the environment themselves. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a bit of a project we're working on. But yeah, the children are they are really keen to. To promote things from my youngest children in reception, um, are very about protecting nature. So they absolutely love mini beast hunts. Um, one of my little counsellors um, often will collect up all the ladybirds and all the ladybird larvae, be t- telling her, her friends about them, and then saying, "But now I'm going to put them back because I've got them, I've got to put them back in their habitat where they live." It's um, incredible. So the, the 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 really are good and for you know a reception child to be to be talking like that and knowing it's a ladybird larva and and things it's it's really important. I mean it's it's their world. It's the world they're going to grow up in. Um, so that you know they, they if they're passionate about passionate mm-hmm. about it now, they're going to be like that as an adult, I hope yeah
2: so just let's before we get carried away because there's so much to talk about i just want to kind of try and, try and structure this as, as much as i can with that because we're going to yeah. go off on so many tangents so um i mean what you're saying just there about the, the compassion that's sort of being generated in the in the, stu- in the young children from a very early age um have you always worked in the early years setting and and has this been something that you think works the best in early years? Or have you got experience of maybe working with older children as well?
3: Yeah, I um, I started off in Key Stage 1 uh, when I first started teaching. Um, I went to Scarborough University, and my degree's in biology, so I've got that sort of science, environmental science background. Right. Um, I have taught at um, an outdoor learning school as well called Cliff House, which is in Huddersfield, um, a few years ago now, uh, before I had my third child. And that was working with um children or young people up to year nine um but i've not as that i haven't done that my passion is probably early years um and i just think it they've got that awe and wonder when you've got a three-year-old and a four-year-old and you dig up some potatoes that they've planted and they're just like oh my goodness where have they all come from yeah we planted one seed potato and we've got all these potatoes um so they've got that that wow and um, experience that outdoor thing, outdoor things for the first time, you know, embracing with nature, it, uh, you know, it's something I care a lot about. And I think it is yeah. very important for children. Absolutely. I mean, I remember being absolutely fascinated by nature from a
2: very early age, and it was something my, my parents and my grandparents encouraged. Um, I don't know if you remember, there used to be a series called Farthing Wood. Yes, and it was animals, yeah. every week and then once a month you get a video and it was this yes. animal Oh, i i was i was mad for that i was amazing but but what it did was it really instilled this kind of awareness of the of, of the, the world that we live in and how our actions impact upon the animals and the plants and the yeah. human interaction that can be so harmful but it can be so positive if channeled in the right way um yeah. and it's something that i have really become passionate about over the last couple of years, because I actually went um, vegan a couple of years ago, and the when you do the research and you start looking into the environ, environmental impact of of things that we totally take for granted, like food and. Mm you know, transporting things around the country and where our food actually comes from. And I know it's a very controversial topic because when, I, I mean, I live in Cumbria, so that's a very rural farming community. Mm. And there's been a lot of blowback on schools that have tried to create, you know, sort of like the meat-free Mondays and things like that. Mm. So it can be a very sensitive topic, but but really it's, it's a case of opening everyone's eyes, isn't it? You know, you're saying about the community aspect of it. Mm. We've got to open everyone's eyes to the fact that there are very significant problems and and it's the humans that are responsible for doing something about it <laughs> mm. so it's it's yes when i think it's brilliant that we teach the students from such an early age but also that we've got to get the parents and the teachers and everything involved as well yeah so um the reason one of the reasons i was so excited to talk to you this evening is because my school secondary school um has recently started uh, an eco school club Mm. And they're, they're working towards the Eco School accreditation, but still very much, still very much in the early stages. So you are coming from the exalted position of already having achieved green flag status of the Eco Schools. So yeah. um, talk to us about that, then, for those of us, those listeners who have never heard of Eco Schools before. What is it, and what does it involve um, from a school's point of view?
3: Yeah, so at, at Diamondwood actually, we've had we've held the green flag twice now. We've we've been assessed twice. It's recently just changed, I think, because of COVID. Obviously, they used to have an assessor going out to our school, um, but everything's on oops, everything's online now, um, and you do it yearly. So Eco Schools um, initiative um, has little steps. If you go on the Eco Schools website, it's really really easy to follow. Um, And there's lots of advice and they're really good if you email them. um, If you want any support or help, they're they're really good. So there's like sort of, I think it's seven steps that you take. So you'd set up an eco committee. You'd have an eco code, which is sort of about, you know, your values for things, uh, eco friendly things. So we've talked about walking to school, choosing fair trade, protecting nature, putting litter in the bin things like that, recycling, that's in our eco-code. Um, and then on the website, you you submit things that you have done. So you do an action plan uh, based on one of the eco-schools themes. So there's uh, things like marine school grounds, biodiversity, litter, waste, um, testing, I'll see if I can remember them all. Well. Um, but each of these you can do a a little action plan. So it might be that you're going to do a community litter pick. It might be that um, you're going to find out about an endangered animal. Um, But again, it's not something, well, the way we do it at our school, it's not something that's extra that can be in your curriculum. So I know um, our key stage one children do something called picture news every week, which is really good. So they'd found out about things like palm oil, um and things like you know big questions like should you swim with dolphins is that the right thing to do sort of those big open questions um you submit your work then um to eco schools and they assess it and you get your green flag so this is the first year we're doing online we we um we've been assessed twice where someone's come in um which actually is really nice when someone comes into your school um because Eco Council are so established and so confident now, and, and they really know their, their stuff to uh, our little eco Councilors. It is so lovely to hear them talking about what they've done, you know, rather than the adults saying, oh, well, we do this, this, and this. They can tell them, and they've got the eco file, so they show, show them what they've done, where we've just um, launched a new project called Eat Them to Defeat Them, where we're encouraging children to eat their vegetables at, at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, they're just so passionate about it. It is yeah. it, it is very, very easy to follow, especially with everything being online now as well.
2: Yeah, but again, such a shame that um, I imagine a, a certain amount must get lost in translation when, when you've not had that face-to-face contact with the inspector, if that's the right name mm. for them. Because yeah, as the you assessor. say, yeah, the assessor, as you say, you, you want the, the, the children's passion to come across to mm. them as well, and it's not just about well, here's everything we've written down that we can prove. Yeah. It's about look at what we're look, look at the, the behaviour that we're encouraging and the yeah. attitude that's coming from yeah. it. Yeah, well, hopefully we can get back to normal with that yeah. sooner sorry, sooner rather than yeah.
3: later. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be really good because it, it's the children you want it to come from, isn't it? It's not Mrs. Tumbling talking about it; it's the children.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it it needs and and they're the ones who are ultimately going to take it forward into their future lives, hopefully, and and embed it in their home life as well. So on that note, um, how are you finding it is translating into the wider community from the school? Um, You know, obviously, when when the the kids are going home, are the parents sort of going, oh, here we go, another, another project that we've got to work on? Or are the parents in the wider community, are they supportive of what you're doing?
3: They are very very supportive um we've got a lovely community at Diamondwood. Um, it really is a family um from you know from the pupils from the staff. Mr Fox, the caretaker is amazing he's is always supporting' is helping us Sally titherington, the head teacher again, is so passionate and, and really wants you know the community to be involved uh, so we get a lot of grandparents and aunties and uncles coming in for projects if parents can. not um, we've reached out to the wider community, so um, we've working with um, the Ravensort re- oh, start again, residents action groups. So we've worked with them um, to do litter picks. We've worked with Kirklees Council to, to try and promote um, cleaning, cleaner environments because we do have a problem with things like fly tipping, which obviously isn't our children doing that. You know, it's not it's not sweet wrappers and things that are being dropped you know, that's a, a community project. So we've we've gone straight to Kirklees, and we're working with them very closely and they're monitoring it and they're trying to uh, promote um, how to, you know, do the recycling, which bin you use, where you do take your things or how you organise a bulky collection. Um, uh, we, yeah, we've got links with the church, um, with other schools, with the library, which have, uh, and the Greenwood Centre, which are in the community. Um So yeah we we, we're really trying with you know to get that message out to other people um and it seems to be working well
4: brilliant
2: yeah and it it's nice to hear that isn't it because whilst a school on its own could could achieve great things with the students the fact that you've got that community support and just that you're also branching out and and you know the the difference you'll be making to the community through this Mm. um it is fantastic, and obviously, like you say, it, it creates that lovely atmosphere where we're all in it together, and we're all yeah. working towards a shared goal. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. So, um, yeah, I mean, this, again, one of the things that I'm, that's close to my heart at the moment is, it started off with, um, we uh, our county council do a an in-bloom competition every year, uh, yeah. so it's Cumbria in Bloom, and this year they've got a category for schools, and it's again, it's about environmental enrichment, and uh, um, you know, how are you talking about climate change and sustainability in the curriculum? Mm. So, what started off as this little "how are we going to make a garden" has um, grown arms and legs, and now I'm looking mm-hmm. into you know uh, the Woodland Trust offering 420 trees to plant yes. in honour of Queen's <laughs> Jubilees. And, and you know, I'm having a meeting with my head first thing in the morning <laughs> to talk about where I'm going to plant a forest on the school grounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but <in laughs> funny, this- it was actually his idea to look into this so hopefully he's going to be quite you know receptive to these <laughs> mad ideas that i'm going to go in with but um you know in terms of getting started so obviously i'm i'm at the, you know like i say our eco councils um with eco schools is very new um mm-hmm. we're still working through the seven step process um and obviously this project is going to form quite a big part of that because it's um a sort of a tangible uh project that all of the 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 school can get involved in and 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 we're looking now about how we're going to embed it in the curriculum and so that it's not just a tick box Mm. that we can carry on with this into the future after any kind of you know after the trees have been planted sort of thing how are we going to maintain this in school so um i'm personally very invested in the answer you're going to give to this question but (laughs) Getting started is is sometimes the hardest part. So if, if if you're giving advice to a school who's interested in doing this, who loves the sound of this of this um initiative, mm-hmm. what are how would you recommend they get going with it and what's the sort of first steps they need to take?
3: Yeah, I think the first steps is because you see so if you've got your eco council there, sort of your spokes spokespeople for the rest of the school and you've got that communication link, I think the thing is not I think little steps to do to change things makes a big difference. Rather than thinking, "Oh my goodness, we've got all these all this plastic in school. We're going to have to get rid of it because it's plastic." Yeah, it's not about that. It's about oh, we, we've got nursery children. We need to have plastic toys. We've got forty-eight children in a morning. You know, it wouldn't be sustainable not to have them and to get rid of them all.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think as well with uh, your we growing projects. Um, again make it manageable you know i we are very lucky at school mr fox caretaker really supports me with the veg growing um my job share natalie um is brilliant as well she she supports me with things like that what we do it's a bit like you're doing your cumbrian bloom so we've um done the great yorkshire show and veg box competition where the yorkshire agricultural society provide you with a a metre square vegetable box and there's a, the competition is based around a theme.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: But be, because it is, it is a metre square, it's manageable rather than thinking, oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to have all these vegetable plots and it's going mm-hmm. to look like Mr. McGregor's garden. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, in nursery where we are, our we've done like herbs and we've just planted them in tyres.
2: So we've yeah. got a little
3: And it's brilliant for the, especially for nursery children. You know, some of our three year olds are so little, but a tire planter is ideal for them. They can get down to the level. Um, You know, they've got all that sensory um, awareness when, with it being like mint or sage or chocolate mint is our favourite one at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, make it manageable. You know, yes, it would be lovely to have a Mr. McGregor garden, but. Mm We can't, we just, there is a, you know, I only teach three days, there is isn't. Yeah. you know, you, you've got to make sure it's manageable and, you know, we really looked at our curriculum at school, so next half term, everyone, I, we always have an overarching theme, we also have the overarching values, so everyone after Easter is doing the great outdoors, so that will be from nursery children doing dig, dig, dig and starting to plant things, looking at seeds. You know, beginning to understand that that seed is going to go into a plant.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so yeah, I would say definitely say sometimes less is more because some otherwise you get you get a bit overwhelmed and you lose sight of why you're doing something. Yeah. You know, so you know if you if you're doing sort of um, you say Cumbria in bloom. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, is there a theme? Are you or are you trying to make it? quite sustainable, are you trying to do native wildflowers and planting for pollinators? Um, then you'll be able to collect the seeds and do it again the year after, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, yeah. and things like that.
2: Yeah. Well, sort of our, our scheme as again, just, and this is just with research, you know, I started Googling stuff and got lost in down the rabbit hole. Um, we've, got, <laughs> we've, got this, we've got this theme of Mr. McGregor's garden going on, so I'll carry it on, you know, I was like Peter Rabbit running away yeah. from Mr. McGregor. Um, because we've got something locally, which is Get Cumbria Buzzing. And what they're trying to do is create a B highway. Um, uh, yes, So seen have you seen yeah. that Yeah, And it looks mm. really good. And actually in doing that, it made me realize that there is actually already quite a lot going on in our area, mm. which is frustrating in a way because you think, why isn't this being shouted about? You know, you, you have yeah. to go looking for it. Um, which can be is, is you know it's it's such a great thing and it and and it's already so much has already happened but it's you kind of you're only coming across it from like a Facebook post that pops up from a Google search yeah. you find that it was two or three years ago and it's yeah so so anyway that's another brand that I've, you know something else but <laughs> um but basically we're the Get Cumbria Buzzing, we, we've been selected. Um, I, I entered the school for it. And we've been selected as um, there's 100 community organisations that are being given um, a, a tray of wildflower plugs and seed um, oh, yeah. packets so we can start a wildlife meadow. And that's actually something that the eco... Council were wanting to do on the school grounds, um, which was obviously to attract the poll- pollinators, and mm. that that's a, a great time with the curriculum because then we can do things like, um, you know, on the the science aspect of it is the uh, the the biodiversity that, mm. that comes with that um, geography. You've got the um how how the soil affects the growth uh, of the of the plants and and how all of the insects interact with the. With the actual, you know, land to 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 keep things going and how it all, you know, t- you know, sort of that e- that mini ecosystem that exists there. Um, I've probably not explained that very well. You can tell I'm an English yeah. teacher, not a science teacher, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think one of the, the the difficulties that we've faced, or I've I've kind of you know been racking my brains about, is that. Uh, sort of primary level early years and primary you tend to have more of a concept-based curriculum like you were just saying you'll have an overarching theme for the term and then your um, your topics sort of fit into that and then if you've got something like the great outdoors or nature or animals or something it's it's ideal because Mm. you're not shoehorning anything in but I think with with obviously secondary curriculum it's It's skills-based, so we will have a certain topic that will have to be covered in half term one, half term two. I'm not saying that for every secondary school, but ours is like that, and I imagine a lot of them are like that as well. Um, So it kind of required a bit of of out-of-the-box thinking, because I can't just go up to the geography department and say, can you do me a, can you squeeze in a topic on... Um, what soil works best for growing plants? You know, mm. <laughs> and, and in the English department, we can't just, you know, um, have a project on promoting the environment and, uh, you know, we m- making um, newspaper articles or something about yeah. climate change. it, 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 oh, it, we can only do that if it already fits with something we're doing so um i suppose that's a, a challenge we face but it, it's required more out of it, it's led to more out of the box thinking so for instance yes. we've i had a chat with some of the pastoral leads in school the heads of year and that has been invaluable conversation because the head of year eight actually said to me he works with um the vocational group at key stage mm. four which is a group of year a year 10 group and there's also a year 11 group um where the students are quite significantly um uh, you know uh, disadvantaged or have significant learning disabilities and so they're not on the standard academic path at yes. GCSE. they're doing vocational studies and he said mm. that would be absolutely fantastic for them because it, it's essentially a project that they can run with right the way through their yeah, CSE career, and you've then got a group of students and the teacher that looks after them anyway, looking after your garden, yeah, or looking after the veg or, or whatever it might be. So that's the route we're probably going to go down in terms of embedding it in the curriculum. Is is how can we actually offer this as some kind of learning opportunity that's almost extracurricular as well
3: yeah. as? But the, all those skills there for the future, you know, if they're learning yeah. to grow their own veg. You know, there's, you know, that that's really sustainable, isn't it? And of, you know, knowing that, you know, you you don't you want to put how you're going to rotate your crops and things like that. So yeah. I think that's I think that's really really important. Um, yeah, absolutely. Especially well, for that that age group as well, and and also it's you know it's not a the curriculum shouldn't be a one size fits all. You know what what works at my school might not work at where my my children go and it's the same academy trust and it's six minutes down the road but your curriculum needs to be for your children and mm. you know it, it, it's got to work hasn't it and it's got to be purposeful for the children and i think especially like you say those year tens you know a couple of years and they're they're adults aren't they you know yeah
2: but it really gets you thinking about when when you can't just kind of go right let's do a project that's mm. based on environment or or, you know we can't just have a topic in a particular year group Mm. um it, it actually has made me realize that there's a lot more opportunities out there because um for example you have got the the gcse aspect of it with the um vocational students but then um of course at key stage three we're talking about the art department's very keen on doing like a design the garden competition so yeah. getting the students actually involved in how we're going to put this together because that actually fits with an architectural and landscaping project that they already do at key stage yeah. three um you but then you've also got the careers aspect of it as well if anybody is interested in going into outdoor studies or horticultural or landscaping yeah, yeah or as you say um just has a a genuine interest in growing their own food or where their food Mm. comes from farming anything like that um it it, it's actually (laughs) something that they can we're trying i'm trying to look into a way of of if they participate in it they can take something away from it like you know not just experience but is there something we can award them you know is is there something (laughs) that we do as a school that means that they've got something then to take away into their future so it Mm. possibilities are endless i think just at the moment i'm i'm personally finding it's quite challenging to look for them you know not not that the information there but the onus is on the individual teacher or the or the school to go out and seek what opportunities there are um -hmm. how how do you feel about that in terms of the um sort of the the wider attitudes to doing these kind of things is it seen is it still seen by by you know I, i don't know don't want to get political, but like, you know, at a government level or at a at a, a larger school level as being a bit tokenism rather than something that is really important that we need to do.
3: Um, I know in some schools it probably is because I know often if they've had some dudes led a eco schools or eco council and they've moved on to another school, they're not necessarily going to get somebody else who's going to have that same passion. Yeah. You know, so so that has to be sustainable as well. Um, I know I definitely know at Diamondwood, everybody is very invested in it. It's not, it's not a, it's just Mrs. Tomblin and Eco Council, or it's Mrs. Tomblin, Mrs. Lyons and Green Club doing gardening. It, it is a whole school approach. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we're entering the Yorkshire show again, um, I didn't want it just to be 12 children doing the veg box i wanted it to be a whole school approach fitting in our curriculum you know so um after the holidays each uh, each year group's growing a different kind of veg um we're looking at um different ingredients our year twos are going to do some like pop art based round um like tomato sauce and things like that yeah. um so it's it it's not just Eco Council are doing it all the time, and it's those twelve children. Mm. It's you know we've got four, 120 children in each year group are, are all going to be involved in it in some way. That's you know de- Decorating the box, you know, and our, even our nursery children, you know, they they're going to be growing their own plants. They're going to be looking at seeds, um, thinking about you know how important pollinators are. Mm. Um, learning to care for for plants as well um so it is i think it's like everything into if you if you've got a you find if you've got a teacher who's very passionate about something the children sort of catch that
2: yeah <laughs> absolutely
3: yeah you know so i know we've got miss saeed at school who's um, our geography lead and he'd done an assembly about geography and all the children were t- telling me all these things about geography and because he was so passionate Mm. it like rubbed off on them it was like that contagiousness (laughs) um and it's fantastic when you achieve that isn't it you know
2: and mm. and it's almost it it, it's no longer work it's just a complete pleasure then isn't it that you you've got the students so invested
3: definitely yeah i mean i um a few weeks ago we had we actually had a training day on a monday which is our eco council day yeah and this on the saturday um i was out shopping in jewsbury and uh, bumped into one of the children from school and his dad said to me is really is really disappointed that schools closed on monday i said oh that's a sh-, you know i said are you going to be your sh- lessons he went no it's because it's eco council <laughs> I was <laughs> oh, like, that's, okay, well, that's when you know you've made it <laughs> yeah i was like oh it's okay we can do it on the tuesday don't worry <laughs> oh <laughs> like, yeah you know, it's our meeting time you know and i mean our eco council they write their own minutes they do their agenda you know, they, 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 like I say, they're really good. And I know at the International Women's Day event, they were talking to the junior school teachers, and they were really impressed with them. Yeah. Um, and and saying, oh well, when you come up to junior school, you'll be able to hopefully carry on with either school council or an eco council.
2: And and that in itself, I mean, straight away when you said things like they're taking minutes and they're almost monitoring their own progress through the eco mm. council. The, the skills and the education that they're receiving accidentally from that, you know, the, the ability to write minutes at a meeting, that's going to stand them in such good stead when they get into junior school and they have to start, mm. you know, writing more extended pieces of work. And, and just the level of detail and concentration that they'll need for something like that at such an early age, it's mm. it's a fantastic foundation that you're giving them.
3: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, but it, like you say, it's, it's not just... Uh, doing it for the sake you know it's a skill isn't it you know but it's accidental isn't it it's that it's that Mm. joy of learning without realizing they're
2: yeah educated (laughs) and and and, and sometimes you know especially as they'll as they'll get older and go up through the school um system that is the biggest sometimes the biggest challenge in secondary it's actually why are we doing this and it's making it relatable making what you're trying to teach the students relatable so when you've got a project like this and they can see the impact their work is having um everything they do within that scheme they're learning all kinds of skills and and, um foundation for their future education in all kinds of subjects but because they're so engaged in what they're doing they'll, they'll be picking it up so much easier and so much better than if you were trying to explicitly teach them those skills
3: yeah yeah well yeah because it's 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 a bit like an apprenticeship, isn't it? You're learning on, you know, without, you're learning by doing it, Um, you know, so, but I I just think it's, I think it's really, really good. They're very autonomous, um, you know, they're very organized. Because uh, I keep saying it's I'm not I'm if people are coming in to see you I'm not talking to them you've got to talk yeah. to them and tell you know tell them what you've been doing uh, and they are they're, they're so good at it I'm so proud of them. Oh, it and sounds I'm, like you, you I really think I, be. I think I put I think I put them on Twitter at least. Uh, once or twice a week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you've got plenty of material to work with, haven't you, I'm sure. Right, okay, so um, we are going to have to just take a break, so you can refresh that cup of tea, and um, <laughs> I'm just going to play the adverts and the news, and then we'll be back after that, Hannah.
3: Okay, thank you very much. Okay.
0: This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslacgroup.co.uk to find out more.
4: Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls' School, Michaela Community School, and Arc Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk.
0: Introducing Bulb. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
5: A report on the Politics Home website explores the issue of the UK granting refuge to staff and students at British international schools in Ukraine. In a letter to Boris Johnson, Colin Bell, CEO of the Council of British International Schools, urged the Prime Minister to provide a safe haven to 700 children and numerous Ukrainian staff at schools in the war-torn country. Under the current scheme, only Ukrainians with relatives in the UK are entitled to seek refuge, while those with no family links must be sponsored by a person, business, charity or organisation. The British International School has three campuses in capital, Kyiv, and the city of both under siege from Russian military. In the letter, Bell says they have significant concern for the 700 children enrolled in the school, and he requests reassurance that no barrier will be put in their way to enter the UK. A government spokesperson responded to politics home by reiterating the rules of schemes currently in place. In Scotland, the TES Magazine reports that Scotland's largest teaching union has opened a consultative strike ballot over Dundee City Council's proposals to move to a faculty structure in its secondary schools. Faculties have long been established in many parts of Scotland and involve more than one subject being grouped together under the leadership of a faculty head. The EIS teaching union is urging all of its members in Dundee secondary schools to support strike action. Critics of the faculty approach argue that it is driven by cost-cutting rather than improving standards. The EIS says the plan for Dundee will cost money and remove valuable experience and leadership. Stuart Hunter of Dundee City Council said, The change is designed to improve the quality of learning and teaching in our secondary schools and is only one of a range of measures to improve the situation as we work to reduce the attainment gap. In an article in the Daily Nigerian, Dr. Peter Ogodoro. 2021 Facebook Community Accelerator Award winner, says functional education, delivered by highly motivated teachers, should be considered Africa's route out of poverty. Mr Ogodoro made the comments whilst addressing Kenyan teachers in Nairobi. He said that Facebook was supporting a Nigerian teachers community of over 300,000 members to promote learner-centred teaching. He said Facebook was assisting teachers in acquiring cutting-edge skills in teaching and school promotion to help improve teacher welfare and promote economic wellbeing. Speaking about teachers' conditions of service, he encouraged public and private school owners to pay teachers well and invest enormously in their development. Mr Ogodoro said he founded the Nigerian Teachers Facebook community in 2016 as a platform for teachers to share free resources for quality teaching and networking. Mr Ogodoro is an alumnus of the University of Reading, where he earned a PhD in education. The National Association of Head Teachers Union reports on its website that leaders representing schools across Wales were joined by their Education Minister Jeremy Miles as they debated key issues for schools in Wales at NAHT Cymru's annual policy conference. Delegates will debate and agree key policy objectives on curriculum and assessment, accountability, wellbeing, funding, as well as a range of other issues. Karina Hansen, President of NAHT Cymru, thanked him for joining to hear the concerns of school leaders in Wales. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods,
1: your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at m underscore Stevens zero pointing out to at team English one that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's two minute tech. Today I present getting snippy with it. In Windows a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select which is draw a box around what you want freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want window select which is pick the window you want to capture screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned there is finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing if you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar right click the icon and select pin to taskbar now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and Sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful, Did you know, pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard. The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real-life examples of using the snipping tool, so don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech.
0: Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
2: Hello, and welcome back to the Twilight show this evening. So we've been talking to Hannah Tombling, about eco schools and the sustainability and environmental projects that she's been working on at Diamond Wood Academy in Yorkshire. So Hannah, hello again. Um, Hi. Hi. So I think it would be remiss not to mention at this point the TES National Teacher Award that you received last year for Environmental Champion of the Year. So Mm -hmm. talk to us about that. Was that that just, um, I say just. Forgive me. Was that in um, response to everything that you've been doing at your school, or was there some was there a specific um, initiative that you were working on that that got you that award?
3: Um, no, it was it was sort of a combination of of the things I'd been doing. I had absolutely no idea about the award. Um, my very amazing job share Natalie had actually applied for the award on, and nominated me. Amazing. Um, so the first I knew is when we got an email saying um, the, the Tess Award um, shortlist um, has come out and Hannah Tumbling is, is shortlisted. I was like, oh my goodness.
2: And that was the first uh, you'd heard of it?
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, so she didn't even
2: tell you, not, you she nominated you until no. you
3: got <laughs> so I was completely and utterly shocked. Um, and I do keep telling her I couldn't do it without her. Um, yeah but uh yeah so she'd sort of looked at all the things we had done with the eco council it was it they could only write in about the things we've done in the last year mm-hmm. um, but she again it was about you know getting children to embrace nature um the the art show competition where we, we actually won over over the COVID year when it was uh, online um how we've we've got Eco schools into the curriculum. We're looking at sustainability. We're looking at climate change. All, all, sort of just what I've done. But um, I kept, when when because of the awards were virtual because obviously obviously of COVID, because of COVID. Um, and I kept thinking, well, I'm not going to. It's not going to be me because I am. I I am just. Well, I am. I am a part time teacher. I'm. You know. Yes, I'm science lead and I'm eco schools lead, but. I've always I've always done these things. It's you know it's something I've always done. I didn't expect it to be recognised nationally, um, and the other candidates were so so good as well. I was like, oh my goodness, uh, one of them kept bees, and I just remember saying, oh my goodness, he's got bees. <laughs> um, yeah, that's amazing, you know. And 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 one of the other ladies had been on. I think she'd been on spring watch. Uh, but it when when they said it was me, and and then sort of did the little biography of, of what I'd done it, it was just wonderful and off the back of that then our local news uh, look north yeah came to school and, and filmed in nursery and followed us to the archer show when we, we collected our awards so it was, it was so good for the community and for our school just that positivity and I think especially when it was covered and everything was very very unsure mm-hmm. and uncertain and a bit you know, not very nice at really, is it? But no. um yeah, I remember one of the one of the dads sort of going, Um, who's Mrs. Tumblin? So I was like me, just like-, like, It's brilliant. It were brilliant to see our school on on, on Look North and he said it's so good for this community, you know and th- that meant meant the absolute world to me. Yeah
2: and and that's what it's all about isn't it It, it's not just about singling out as as well deserved as the award clearly was because just just from the the conversation we've been having you know what we've been talking for 50 minutes now according to the timer on my screen (laughs) uh, but it, it's obvious, you know, if, if I can achieve anything with my project that's even anything close to what you've just described to me, I will be more than happy. You know, everything you talked about, it just it sounds fantastic. And, you it, you know, you, you really well, really did deserve the, the recognition. And I know you. it sounds like you're, you're being very, very modest about it. And it's not about you personally, um, even though you were obviously the, the recipient of the award. But... Yeah the 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 impact that that's obviously had on your community and the the fact that the children will have seen that you know they've they've got that recognition the parents and as you say the everyone else who's involved with the school um, mm. that must have been just a fantastic boost for them last year after such a hard year as well with yeah. the COVID and everything it's just a shame that the awards were virtual and you weren't yeah. able to go and get dressed up and everything but
3: <laughs>
2: you can't have it all I suppose
3: <laughs> yeah no it, it was it was just wonderful I mean. When North came to film us, they stayed mainly in the nursery and it was lovely. The the children were in the mud kitchen and and all these things. And then the next morning I unlocked nursery gate and a little boy walked in and he just went, you, Mrs Tomlin, (laughs) were on my telly. (laughs) You you were on the telly as well. You were in the mud kitchen. He went, I know, we're famous. (laughs) They were just so lovely. But yeah, just to get that recognition and like, yes, it was... I, you know, it's obviously my name on the award, but for me it was about our school and, you know, all that, all that work we've done. And I couldn't do it without the support of, you know, everybody at school. You know, I've got Sally, Sally, my head, and Becky, my deputy head, who um, is so enthusiastic. Every time I say, you know, I've, I found another project. Or we're going to we're going to start doing this. Eat them to defeat them. She's just like, oh, it's so brilliant, and the kids, you know, the children love it. The staff are enthused, you know. So it's it's not a oh, we're going to do something else. It's like oh, what are we going to do next? You know, how can we make yeah. it even better? Yeah. yeah.
2: So I imagine that you know you've answered this question really before before I even ask it. But just just again from from the point of view of a school who was wanting to set this up. How important has that supportive school culture been for being able to achieve everything you have done with the eco council and the eco schools
3: yeah i I just think without without that support it wouldn't have had the same impact uh, you know it it's about you know celebrating everything in school it's about celebrating the passion of eco council it's about celebrating what we're doing in lessons you know like I said, when you hear children talking about palm oil and writing to different supermarkets and, and things, you know, it's then, you know, when you've got a supportive SLT and you've got a supportive staff, you know, you've got a caretaker that you say, Mr. Fox, can you just build me this? And he'll go, yep, of course I can. <laughs> yep, and, it, you know, he'll come down and uh, help me dig over the veg beds and get things sorted. So it's, it is, it's not just me on my own and my 12 eco counselors it is a big you know family community at diamondwood yeah
2: and big shout out to mr fox the caretaker because He's i think he, he was the unsung hero of this story <laughs> you're, you're singing his praises obviously but we um, I, I remember our school caretaker when i was at uh, primary school, and he was the similar kind of thing. He had his own little greenhouse. He used to sell plants. I remember getting mm-hmm. plants from my nana for like fifty p a pot or something yeah. like that because he just grew them himself, and he would he would sell them to the kids. But he was exactly that type of person. You know, yeah. Do you need a job. You got a job. Needs done. Yeah, absolutely. I'm there. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, without the, the likes of the Mister Foxes of the world, it wouldn't be anything like as as um, you know as well done or as fun. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing I need to talk to you about before we finish is um, I saw on the uh, the website that you've recently been awarded um, status as ambassador school for the Ministry of Eco-Education.
3: Uh, yes, so, we have. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So my um, teacher talk video colleague, Dorian, interviewed Paul from the Ministry of Eco-Education a few months ago. Um, yes. So talk to us about that. What What's That's obviously separate to eco-schools. What's the Ministry of Eco-Education and
3: what has that meant for your school? Yeah, so it it is separate to Eco-Schools, but they do work very closely together. The Ministry of Eco-Education work with a a lot of the charities, such as the RSPB um, and and other things. And on their website, there's lots and lots of information. Um, So after the award, Paul contacted me through Twitter to say, we think you are know, the kind of school we're looking for to, to pilot. Um, what they're promoting through a curriculum, it's very open questions. You know things like should everyone be vegan? Yeah.
1: Um,
3: so what we're working close with them, but what I said was because I teach in nursery and this was very key stage one, key stage two based. I said I cut my heart of heart. Give give my key stage one teachers. This whole new curriculum. If I'm not doing it, um, so what I'm going to be working on with Paul and some other people is looking at the early years aspect of it, and because I think if, if children start in early years with this approach, it's going to you know it's going to continue. So, like I said, those the eco counselors are now year two. I've had that curriculum you know since they were in nursery. Um, and that's why they're so passionate about it so it's a it's a very uh, new relationship because you know Paul's on it he's been into school once and I've invited him in again so he's done an assembly um, it, they're very supportive they've got questionnaires for staff and um, parents and things so that they can look at which aspects of the curriculum they can we can put these questions in um, into our curriculum Um at Diamondwood our curriculum has already got a lot of this in so we were sort of a bit of a step ahead so it's just about working with them and it's it's about that networking I suppose like you were saying about when you were looking about your planting and then you realize oh this project's being done but we didn't know about it it's another it's sort of that networking and it's promoting it in different ways um so I think I think it'd be very good and I know they've, they've got some more schools um Around Yorkshire as well, because it's it's from Hampshire and all over where where they've been visiting and, and promoting their the eco ministry
2: Fantastic! So so it really is sort of the the nationwide drive to make this more of a of an, an embedded concept within schools. So yeah,
3: yeah, I, and I think you know it's going you know it's going to go that way. I mean, if you if you drive if you're driving along and you see. Um, A lot of the you know max and spencer's trucks mcdonald's trucks a lot of them have some somewhere on about something being sustainable or they've reused the oil you know so it's 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 everywhere isn't it you know promoting that sustainability promoting you know maybe electronic cars things like that Mm. so you know the children are going to have that understanding when they see you know see that.
2: Yeah, there is definitely a certain amount of awareness on the part of the students. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm dealing with much old, sort of much older students yeah. than, than the ones you're dealing with, but I think it's whilst they are aware of what's going on, and, and um, as you say, the why plastic is a problem, and they've seen the pictures of of the coastlines with loads of rubbish washing up on the beaches mm. and they understand why we need to be protecting animals and that the rainforest is being cut down and you know that those are just things that pop into your head. They're the kind of you know mm. most well known ones, I suppose. But it's that what do we do about it? It's that awareness of what can I personally do? And that's everyone, not just the students, it's the teachers as well. Mm. It's the general public. What can I personally do to make this situation better? You know, how how do how does what I do, the choices I make have an impact um, and I suppose when you see the big wagons of McDonald's saying we recycle mm. all of our oil, you think, well, they're a huge company, so if yeah, you would like, see, yeah. they are. But when you've then got, you know, just Joe and Jane blogs going to the shop every day and buying their plastic bottle of pop, they're mm. probably not. Well, it's it's only one bottle. There's only me, you know.
3: Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we uh, we, we, we kind of flip, flip. Yeah, we kind of flip that on on the head. So. Um, we sort of say you know it's about doing doing one thing yourself doing a little thing so we have our uh, we have reusable water bottles at school for the children um and you know we, we encourage them to use one of those and not bring in you know a, yeah. a, a, a plastic bottle of water that's a single use one
1: yeah. um
3: you know we've talked about if you drop that piece of rubbish what's going to happen then if what if somebody else drops that piece of rubbish you know, we talked about climate change in very, sim, you know, quite simple terms. And um, We talked about how you personally, if you are making the choice to, you know, say to mum every day, oh, no, I don't want to walk to school, I want to go in the car. It, it, Eco-council talk about it as the world getting hotter. And we, we sort of visualise that by uh, one of our eco-councilers was the world. And every time somebody made a choice of not turning off a light, driving instead of walking we put another coat on them or, or a scarf so you yeah. see that each time you do something it has an impact on the world and it doesn't matter how little it is it's going to affect the world and the flip side of that is also if you make a good choice like i'm going to use my water bottle and not buy one that costs a pound every time and i'm going to put my rubbish in the bin i'm going to choose to recycle It's about that, and it's them understanding that little thing can make a difference.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, one of the things that we've actually just, as part of our eco-council, we've just done a survey. I'm I'm quite excited to see what the results are going to be, actually. We'll find out on Tuesday when we meet again. Mm -hmm. But um, we've done a survey amongst the students about the use of plastic because one of the things we've noticed is, um, as, as with any secondary school, the kids all go to the shop. On their way in in the morning, and they've all got bottles of juice or um, fizzy drinks or whatever with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of the healthy food in schools initiative, there's only certain varieties of drinks and snacks that they can buy in the school canteen. So of course, yeah. they solve that problem themselves by going to, you know, Lidl or whatever on, on the yeah. way into school in the morning. Um, and and one and the, the the survey that we've done is. Is if we were to introduce something like a, brand, a you know, a school branded reusable water bottle, if the school were going to buy them, we could obviously make that cost much more accessible for the students, but it wouldn't be mm. free. So, yeah. one of the questions is, um, what's actually stopping the students from buying a reusable water bottle? And the unfortunate truth of the matter is, sounds a similar situation to yourselves. We are we are in a, an area that is considered to be relatively high deprivation we've got a significant number of pp students in the school and so cost might actually be the prohibitive issue if they can get a bottle of i don't know a can of coke for 50 pence mm. or a you know a bottle of fizzy juice but i mean some some of the cheaper brands you're talking like 30 35 pence yeah. for, for, you know something like six pack for a pound and then we're saying oh have a reusable water bottle but it's going to cost you a fiver.
3: Then, yeah. You know
2: that it might not sound like a lot, but that is the difference between
3: yeah. people doing if it, it I and mean, not. Our bottles are a pound, it, yeah. you know, and we, it's. I think it is a bit easier because we are just infants, and they haven't got that option of taking themselves to the shop as well. Yeah. We they haven't, we haven't got to that age, but they are quite good with with buying the, the reusable ones and refilling them, and um, us promoting drinking water as well, which. I think that is a, a the difference between, a, you know, key stage one and early years and uh, high school, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it is interesting as well. And also I think as well, uh, at high school as well, there's that um, bit of Oh, do I want to be seen with a, a bottle that says my school's name on? And yeah, yeah. On and out, you know, I mean
2: so. that might be something that we that, that might be rethought in terms of the actual branding side of it. But yeah. you know, you see, maybe school sort of...
3: colours or something. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. But having said that, we've just we've just got school hats, and honestly, ah. the madness that that's been caused, you know, and quite frankly, they're not, they're not very pretty
3: <laughs> it's okay. just, well, the... wo- woolly hats. Yeah,
2: it. fluffy,
3: fluffy woolly hats. Yeah, and but Ooh, the school—I clothes... I think I'd like a woolly hat. Am I, I'm just, I'm just no, I actually, I actually
2: <laughs> really like it. But it's like being in Gryffindor because the school <laughs> colors are burgundy and yellow. So oh. you can imagine that, like, it's a, it's a stripy pom pom hat. <laughs> There is an element of um, novelty, but I, I don't think the issue maybe is necessarily that there is, I think the, the kids are, are proud of the school and, and you know, oh, if you've, got, if you've got that culture where they actually, mm. you know, they're happy to talk about the school that they go to. It's more just the, what is actually stopping, unfortunately, one, one of the realities is when you live in an area where people have to keep an eye on the cost of things and especially mm. with the price of gas and electric flying oh, through the roof. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cost becomes a prohibitive issue, and I think that mm. there is still a kind of a um, an an impression or an image that being environmentally friendly is quite. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if this is even the right thing to say, but like middle class, you know, it's almost like a a position of privilege to be able to make those decisions as opposed to necessity um yeah. and i think we've just got to change that mindset haven't we that it it's not about um you know everyone can do it and as you say yeah. the little things if everybody did one little thing every day
3: the yeah. overall
2: impact would be huge
3: yeah definitely we, that's it just, isn't
2: it yeah yeah we've just got to get people to realize that every time they, like exactly like you said every time they make a choice you can make a choice that has a positive impact mm. or, a neg- or a potentially negative impact. And it's it's about recognising that what they do matters.
3: Yes, it definitely, yeah.
2: Fantastic. Oh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this evening, Hannah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a great learning. You know, I've got so much out of it. You know, like oh. I say, I've got that at the head in the morning. I've got so many things, so many new ideas to talk about. Um, but also just the, you know, the fact that you're, you're doing this the way that you've created this this culture in your school I think it's fantastic and if more schools can get into this mindset of making the environment a priority in students education I think that's only going to be a net positive outcome for everyone yeah
3: definitely yeah yeah
2: so before you go one last thing then um I always like to ask my guests especially when I've learned so much from them is what what are your what's your advice to 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 listeners who are thinking about they really want to do this they're excited about it um what's your advice for how they get you know the first thing they need to do tomorrow morning when they go into school
3: um i would say find your little eco warriors in school you will have children who already really really care um and it's about investing time in them um, to get a really strong eco-committee because then their passion goes into their classes um, and which means, you know, it's that snowball effect. Um, so so everybody want, would want to be an eco-counselor.
2: Yeah. And that, yeah, brilliant advice. Thank you so much because that will just breed the passion for it amongst the students as well, won't it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: Fantastic. Oh, well, have a brilliant week and um, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And thank you so much for giving up your time to come on the show this evening.
3: Thank you for inviting me on. It's been lovely.
2: Oh, absolutely. Feelings mutual. Thank you very much, Hannah. Take care of yourself. Thank
3: you. Bye. Bye.
2: Oh, what a fantastic guest. I hope you really enjoyed that this evening. Um, i like I say I've learned so much. Um, for those of you who maybe missed the, the beginning of the show, Hannah, uh, Tom Tumbling is. Um, she works at Diamondwood Academy, which is in Yorkshire. Um, it's actually a, a nursery and early years school. But um, the work that Hannah has done has been nationally recognised at the Tes Awards, and she was um, not, uh, she won the award for Environmental Champion of the Year. The, it, the Diamondwood Academy is an eco school accredited and is also an ambassador school for the Ministry of Eco Education anyone um, any teacher with a passion for sustainability the environment and how you might want to get this sort of thing going in your school i would highly recommend you go to the diamondwood academy website um they've got an eco council and eco schools page there which tells you everything they're doing it even has the minutes from the eco council meeting so you can really see that this is embedded in the culture of the school um the students are obviously incredibly passionate about it and they're really getting some recognition and for the work that they're doing and well-deserved it is too. Um, I'm super excited now about my own um, modest garden project <laughs> that I'm trying to launch at my school. Um, yeah, and and just the making it, a cu- it, it's so important to make this a culture in school that it's not, we're not, especially I think at secondary school, we can get a bit bogged down with the curriculum and what we actually have to deliver um, in terms of, the you know, the, the content that we have to deliver. But if we can try and integrate these ideas and if uh, in, into, for our students, the ones who are passionate about the future and, and the impact that they have on the world around them, um, hopefully we can generate lots of support and momentum from bigger organisations in the government who are actually going to, you know, recognise the need to educate our students about the impact that they have on their world and how we need to care for it and how we need to make sure that, we still have a beautiful world to live in, in the future. So that's my little um, soapbox over with for the evening. But again, big thank you to Hannah uh, um, and uh, brilliant work that's being done at Diamondwood Academy. It's certainly a model to use for anyone who's interested in getting going with eco-schools. So um, that is the show wrapped up for the evening. I hope you've enjoyed it. And for those who have uh, listened back to this as a podcast, thank you so much for downloading and uh, wishing you all the very best for your coming week. I hope it's good to you, I hope you have a great week at school and enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening, get a good sleep and wake up refreshed for the morning because spring is here and I think it's gonna be, uh, we're only gonna get lighter mornings from now on. So all the best, enjoy and thank you very much for listening to The Twilight Show with me this evening.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio.